0: Hello, 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 everybody. Hello. Welcome to Gritty Reboot. Today we are going to take a look at the 80s seminal slasher classic and its terrible, terrible reboot. We are talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's
1: right. 1984, baby.
0: 1984, the Wes Craven classic. Yes. So when you think of A Nightmare on Elm Street, Meredith, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: It's the first thing that comes to my mind? Yeah um freddie
0: Freddy, yeah, yeah. G- exactly no one will survive me,
1: from wes craven director of the hills have eyes and last house on the left a new masterpiece in fantasy terror uh, Freddy
0: Krueger and l- l- first of all, um, I, I, we talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about the predator and who plays him. Um, Freddy is so much different than any other slasher because he is not just a guy. He's Robert England.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Robert England's character and personality and everything like that are completely tied into the character. Um, this is one thing that always makes w- what we talk about here problematic you know you reboot you try to recast everything like that and you hope you don't miss anything the charm of robert england is very difficult to replicate
1: absolutely
0: and it's not that he is like great shakespearean actor or anything like that it's just the simple fact that he understood the character and knew how to play it perfectly and it's it's one of those things to where like his brilliance in that part is what really elevates all of it because there's only i think there's only one shot in this original film where Fre- where Freddie is not played by Robert Englund. And it's where in the very first dream sequence, he's chasing Tina.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's he's running after her and he's running like a crazy maniac. And then she's running. And when she turns, she runs right into Freddie. Yeah. That other guy back there is a stunt man. And you can tell the second he starts running, he's like,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like a waving infl- inflatable <laughs> arm man. You know, he's just, it doesn't look right at all. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't work, but um, it lets you know just how important uh, he is to that, uh, to that role. It really is. Yeah. Um. So getting into the movie, there are two things that I, I really want to bring up after praising Robert England. Yes, yeah. he just doesn't get enough. Like I mean, the other day I heard somebody talk about Nightmare on a podcast and they forgot to mention him in the credits. Uh, um, um, so. Wes Craven. Um, this is not just some guy picking up the camera and doing something. This is truly one of the masters of horror. You know, at, at the master of his craft r- really at his height. This is when I mean, he is in such a hot streak um, during this period. You know, he's he's doing uh, Serpent in the Rainbow a little bit later. You know, his career is red hot at this time. Coming off the hills, have eyes. Actually, I think he's coming off the hills, have eyes, too. But that's not important. You know, he's still he made that as a cash grab. But the first one, I mean, you're still talking about a horror classic. You know, a few years earlier, Last House on the Left, another horror drive in video, nasty classic. Yeah. Um. Wes Craven originally came up with this idea uh, due to reading a news article, I believe, about some Korean teens in San Francisco uh, dying in their sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It actually is based off of, of a real thing. Now, they never really got to the bottom of why that ever occurred. I and mean, there was always sorts of theories and stuff like that. But the idea stuck with Wes Craven. And when he was trying to, you know, I think we need would seen the success of Friday the 13th and the Halloween ripoffs and uh, movies like that. He knew he's like, okay, this is what studios want. Yeah, what can I do to make it a little more interesting? And Craven's always had a real gift for just taking a, a standard idea and just giving it just enough of a twist to make it really work. It doesn't always come out that way. Every now and then you get Nightmare on Elm Street. Every now and then you get Shocker. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't it doesn't always work. By the way, everyone should go watch Shocker. It is, <laughs> it is a fantastic piece of eighties cheese. But back to Nightmare, like his direction is solid. Um, there's there's one thing that that that. Helps him out. I think he has a very solid young cast. Yeah. Um, Heather Langenkamp plays Nancy, and she's great.
1: Fantastic. She's
0: great. And we'll talk about, we're going to talk about Heather Langenkamp a lot, but we have to talk about the, the elephant in the room of Mr. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Um, fun fact that I learned that links our two movies together. Uh, Jackie O'Haley will eventually take over the role of Freddy Krueger. He actually went to audition for the role of Glenn and met Johnny Depp in the waiting room, who was not there to actually be an actor. Johnny Depp was hanging out with somebody else, apparently, and the casting director saw him and said, hey, why don't you read for it, you ridiculously good looking man? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and that, that's pretty much all, all that happens from that is he goes in there, gives it a read, gets the part, and then starts his incredibly long acting career.
1: Wow, um, and yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, those two
0: guys have a connection to it. And Jackie O'Haley has kind of confirmed it, so it could be BS, but... uh uh, Johnny Depp has never really talked about the Nightmare series, even though he's had amazing things to say about Wes Craven over the years. Um, but obviously he doesn't talk about this movie a lot. And, uh, it, and if any uh, fans out there are watching, he, it wasn't that he wasn't invited back for um, the series uh, a meta sequel, New Nightmares. Um, Wes Craven was simply too intimidated to ask him to return uh, for a cameo and Johnny Depp completely would have done it in that film. He just, let Wes yeah, Craven. I imagine
1: he would. Yeah.
0: Cause at that point, and I think uh, new nightmares is 93 or 94. I might be off on that, but Johnny Depp's already a big star, a big star at that point, critical darling. So I'm sure Wes Craven was like, that guy won't talk to me ever yeah. again, <laughs> but, well, okay. it, it, yeah, but it turns out he, he really loved working West Craven and, and absolutely thanked him and owes his career to him. Um, and you know what? He is a little rough around the edges, but he's good here too. He really is. I mean, there's some times where you can tell he's not quite an actor yet, but there are some times when he really gets it. Yeah. He really gets it. And I think there is some you know, once you get past the era of which he was made, you know, the 80s, um, and, and what, you know, came into acting then, I mean, it's all really great, solid performances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Robert England is the the best one of them of them all.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly true. I, I think um When you talk about final girls in these kinds of movies, they're usually okay characters. You know, they they sort of get their courage because there's nobody else left at the end of the movie. Um, Nancy's
1: real unique.
0: Yeah, Nancy is is not that. And I think when I started watching this movie um, as an adult, and that's the thing, um, when you are a fan of a long franchise like this, there's a good chance like you might somehow avoid the original film for a long time because the original is the classic and the most popular one. So in the nineties and the early O's, that would be the one least played on cable. Right. The terrible sequels that nobody cares for, like part two and, you know, Freddy's dead and stuff like that, that would air 24 seven on like USA or TBS, you know, All, you know, sci-fi channel just on a constant loop. So you'd end up seeing those movies and you'd forget about some of the elements that are in the original film. You know, obviously Freddy becomes much more of a comedic character. Um, a larger than life sort of bombastic uh killer if Full you will. Full puns. Yeah, yeah. A, a truly lovable child murderer, if you will. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that were possible in the eighties and nineties. Um in this movie, you don't really have any of that kind of humor. It's dark, um, and Freddy's scary. He, he really is like there's no kind of, you know, kind of wink at the camera making a joke. There's
1: no escape from him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Freddie is, is is really a terrifying villain, you know, because there, there's no safety from him. And no one will ever, ever believe you if you tell them how he gets you. You know, I, I think like that's one of the tragedies that Nancy runs into is that no one's ever, even like the sleep doctor she goes to. When that weird thing happens, she pulls a hat out of nowhere. They're just like, well, I guess she must have hit it in her vagina. You know, because because they don't really like they don't really offer an answer or anything like that. But that's what adults are going to do in a situation. They're going to find the logical reason because magic is not an option. And that's a grounded element.
1: We also have police involved, too. Yeah, that's there's got to be a realism. There's a
0: very grounded element to Wes Craven's script and idea. You know, uh, her father is a police officer. Yeah. So everything there has this level of realism to it. Like it's almost like it's not some fantasy world with some killers coming in and slashing people up, and for some reason the police aren't involved. You know, and we see that every now and then. We'll have a slasher movie and like a, a, a teenagers are trying to solve the murder. And I was like, there not any cops on this. <laughs> you know, and then th- that is not this kind of movie. Um, with everything the way it is, I, mean, I think the way the characters slowly unravel what's going on with them, that they're all having the same nightmare. Um, there's such a level of like Lovecraftian dread to this idea that you and all your friends are having the same exact nightmare over and over.
1: Yeah. And, over. and they kind of just discuss this a little bit in the film as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that part's really Between well, really well done. And one of the reasons I want to point it out, this is we'll get to in a minute. There's, there's things that the, the reboot doesn't do well, but the, I think this movie just kind of lays that idea out very nicely about how you deal with this supernatural entity and never making it. I know it's a man who kills people in their dreams, but it never seems that far fetched for what the the concept really is.
1: Yeah, well, my favorite part of the movie is uh, Nancy getting ready for Freddie. She goes through all this adversity. She loses her best friend, Tina. Um, They all have these dreams that are the same. They're all trying to figure it out, but she's really trying to figure it out the most. And my favorite part is the the training montage where she basically goes and you know starts filling the light bulbs with gunpowder and you know getting ready for Freddie. She's getting ready to fight him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you, once again, like I point out earlier, you've seen a lot of Final Girls. They you know they pick up the machete because they have to. No one else is left. And true, there isn't anyone else left once her boyfriend Glenn is dead. Yeah, but this is different. Like, this is not, I have to fight for my life or I'm going to die. She's like, Freddy is going to come to kill me. And he's going to have to earn it. Yeah. Like, that. that's what the vibe is. Like, it's not, there's, there's nothing else going on. He's going to try to kill me and bring everything he's got to take me out. And I'm not going to let him. I'm going to do everything I can. Kick, claw, scratch, hit him in the head with uh, coffee pots sledgehammer to the gut everything i can to burn that son of a bitch again yeah and I, I love her attitude her demeanor she's by far my favorite final girl in any of these slasher movies Yeah, she's J- great her strength is fantastic and I, I love the idea that freddy is toying with her underestimating her he gets in the real world he gets his ass kicked you can tell it's been a long time since somebody's punched freddy krueger in the mouth and that's immediately what happens. Well, he I mean, has she such takes easy, it to him.
1: Yeah, he, he has such an easy time with Glenn. I mean, Glenn pretty much doesn't take it seriously from the very beginning. At least that's his attitude. Yeah, because she asks him repeatedly not to fall asleep and to keep him, keep her awake and wake her up when she has trouble. But he falls asleep
0: immediately. Yeah, so <laughs> immediately, and, and, and <laughs> he, even. Even after, like, there's the bars in the window before he dies. Like, he's still not taking it that seriously. Yeah, Freddie
1: has it easy with Glenn.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could sort of see that Glenn is concerned, but he doesn't really know what to think. He's more, like, concerned that, like, I love my girlfriend, but I think she's losing her mind. Yeah. But he's not going to harbor any ill will because she's had people close to her die. Right. Um so there's one other thing I like to talk about in this screenplay. And I had a, a good opportunity to talk to a younger friend of mine about it. He's in his early twenties. I'm 78 years old currently. <laughs> he had never noticed something that is one of my favorite elements of this movie. And it is the mother's raging alcoholism. Yes. Um, I believe it's I, unique. I think there's only about one line where Nancy calls her mother out and says, I wish I could stay here and drink all day, like, or something like that. Yeah. Um, But we're talking about only one line, this entire screenplay. It's almost underneath everything, you know, from the disdain the parents have for each other. Like they never speak. There's never a line. I hate you. I hate you, too. I mean, they just look at each other with disdain. Their
1: marriage is over. Yeah,
0: they only share a line when Nancy is at her lowest um, and she takes her um, to the doctor to analyze her sleep patterns. And that's about it. Like, I mean, I think that's really the only dialogue that they actually share. Even when Nancy is brought into the police station after the murder, he's only talking to Nancy. He barely even looks this ex-wife's direction.
1: Yeah, it's it's, his. Her mother is an interesting character for sure. Um, She is involved in every aspect of this movie. Uh, It's an undercurrent of alcoholism um, that I'm not sure why Wes Craven decided to add that in because yeah, it yeah. doesn't really do anything it does add to the movie but it doesn't really do anything besides that it's just a story element
0: yeah yeah all it does is, is give a richness to the character yeah it makes their world feel realistic you know
1: well it also paints nancy as a fighter to begin with because she's got an alcoholic
0: mark. yeah she has to deal with this issue on top of everything else yeah. and then because of the alcoholism her 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 mother descends even further you can tell the moment she talks about a man with knives on his fingers in a red and green sweater. John Saxon is the toughest son of a bitch in the room. And he does such a fantastic job with that look of fear on his face. Like, how did you know that you were never supposed to know that? Like, I, I I love that moment. And it, 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 you know, he dives into his work, which is what his addiction is, you know, and what led to the end of their marriage. And on her end, she completely goes in the bottle when that moment is coming back, that, that decision they made all those years ago to kill Freddie uh, is coming back to haunt them, and she can't. She can't even come close to accepting it. Her daughter's screaming in her face like he's back, he's haunting my dreams, which doesn't make any sense. There's no way she could have ever have known him, and she's still hanging on to it. Don't worry, I killed him. I took care of him years ago. That great scene where she opens up the glove and and shows Nancy in, in the basement right next to their boiler. Um, You know, I I love that whole sequence. And even then you can tell she's already kind (laughs) of drunk. She's already pretty drunk, you know, and and the night of everything. Like, I mean, Nancy's mom is shit faced. (laughs) Yeah. And she
1: legitimately tries to hide her, her bottles too. When she's talking to Nancy, anytime Nancy comes into the kitchen, she's trying to hide her bottles that she's drinking. Uh, she pours a bunch of uh, looks like vodka into a, yeah. a, a coffee cup, and Nancy comes and picks it up and drinks out of, or almost drinks out of it, but she takes it from her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So there's little scenes like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: there's, there's all this little stuff like that. I mean, I I feel like, listen, Wes Craven isn't a great writer. I'm gonna say that straight up. I, I love him as a director, but as a writer, there's been some things I've uh, I've seen of him where I'm like, oh, good lord, man. <laughs> Um, you know, not just shocker guys, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's been a lot of things I've been disappointed by in, in his career, but this is probably the sharpest screenplay he ever wrote. Um, it, it really is fantastic with all those little elements like that. Cause I, yeah. I, you know, what's the one thing I always say, don't tell show, Right. You know? and how many movies do we have a character looking right in the camera, telling us something about them or telling us something about what we need to know. And it's okay to tell you some things, but like, I just love that it's barely mentioned, but it's such a big looming darkness and character over this entire screenplay. I mean, this entire movie, you know, and as I said, it makes her become an antagonist. She locks her daughter in her own home. Yeah. When her daughter, bars up. yeah, she desperately would need to get out of that house. Her mother makes sure it's not an option because she's too far gone in her alcoholism to even be able to see her daughter's real fear. Yeah. And I, I, I love that element of this movie. Um, is there any element of, of the original film that you don't care for? That's
1: I know it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question because it's such a good movie. I guess I don't really care for Glenn's character that much. Um, he's kind of a dumb character. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he is um, just the boyfriend character.
1: Yeah, he's just a boyfriend and he he doesn't take anything real seriously. Yeah,
0: I think Rob, the other, uh, uh, the other real uh, teenage male in the movie uh, who's accused of murdering Tina, I think he's a far more interesting character because there's a toughness and bravado to him. And then like he opens up to Nancy and he's like, he's got these knives for fingers and he makes this noise and that's, yeah, you he's know, very helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And you understand, like, he's got all this strength, you know, he's an alpha male, but really he, he's got nothing. He's terrified of Freddie. He, he wouldn't admit it like, and, you know, but he knows Freddie has him. He knows even if Freddie doesn't have him, he's going to go to jail for the rest of his life for the murder yeah. of that girl. You know, it, it's over for him. He's got nothing. And I think he plays it really well. Um, And honestly, if if Johnny Depp didn't play the Glenn role, I I don't know how much we would even really speak about that part to be perfectly honest. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think it's the weakest part of the movie is, is Glenn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I would certainly agree to that. Um, I mean, even with the fantastic casting of Johnny Depp, um, that part just, just doesn't work. But I, I think, you know, Everything else, though, makeup effects, um, a little on the low budget side, but it, it gives them a rawness. Yeah. You know? Like Freddie cutting himself open. It's clearly like maggots and some yolk coming out of him, but it still gives like this weird sense of reality that we.
1: There's so many iconic scenes in this movie. Yeah. The, the scene of of Tina dying on the ceiling. Brutal. Um, uh, the, the hand, the clawed hand coming up through the bathwater. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of iconic scenes in this, this is, movie. It's an
0: infamous shot of, of, you know, between a woman's legs, some sort of danger approaches Yeah. A, a shot that's done quite It always a bit gives in, me the
1: willies. Yeah.
0: It's a shot that's done quite a bit in cinema, but that's probably one of the more famous examples. Um, and it's so well done. They, they do, uh, ape it again in the reboot. Um,
1: yeah, they. T- They tend to do a lot of the same scenes in the reboot, which we'll talk about. So listen, like we can throw
0: praise on this movie all day. Yeah, we really can. I know this is a habit we've gotten into. We throw praise on the original movie, but um, this movie deserves it. It still holds up pretty well. Um, I can remember. I think this was 12 or 13 years ago. uh, A friend of mine and I, we went to go see this in a theater. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It was a re-release and we thought it was going to be a big deal, but it turns out they were just basically putting like a DVD at the, project- <laughs> at the projector at, at a movie theater. And uh, basically the DVD scratched and failed <laughs> about 25 minutes in. So we got our money back and didn't get to watch the movie.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: And it, it was the first time I think, you know, in, in my 20s, I'd, I'd had a chance to sit down. We came home afterwards and we'd stop by Fry's and I ran in. I bought Nightmare on Elm Street with uh, the refund money on Blu-ray. And I came in, popped it in, and we, we watched the film, and I was amazed at how well it, it really holds up. Yes, there's some 80s cheese in it, and there's no way you're going to get away from that with the budget and who directed it. But it is still a movie that can be found very terrifying, even in this day and age. holds up incredibly well. It does. Well. Yes, it, it, I mean, it, it really does. Sequels are fun. Go, you know, If you haven't seen Nightmare on Elm Street, go check it out. I know there's a lot of people in their 20s who have never even heard of Freddy Krueger. So by all means, you know, go check this movie out. You absolutely need to. Yeah. And if your only introduction is the 2010 remake, then I really pity you.
1: I'm sorry. That's all I can say. I'm so sorry.
0: So, this is why we got we started to do this show. One of the things that drew me to when we talked about like this concept of talking about reboots is my utter disdain and hatred and disgust for a lazy Hollywood reboot. And this is more of a retread than a reboot. Uh, it's a reboot because everyone's a new new cast member, but I mean, this movie is just a truly limp disaster.
1: Yes, it's got so many problems. It's 99 problems, but a good script isn't one.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I got to watch. I, I did some, some research on, on the production because I was very curious because um, I'd only seen this film uh, when it released. and was. No, <laughs> I didn't see it opening night, so I got to read the reviews before I went in, and it sort of tainted my opinion, I always thought, and I absolutely hated the film. Um, never saw it after the opening weekend, the movie kind of flopped and that was the end of the franchise. Yeah. Um, so it really wasn't until, uh, last night that I had a chance to sit down and kind of break it down and watch it and, and dissect it and think about the movie. Um, watching it again, I almost felt worse about it as I started to give it like another critical look. I said, I'm going to be fair to it. You know, maybe I yeah. wasn't fair all those years ago because of how much, <clears throat> how much I love those flicks, but. That's, I mean, it's not what happened. <laughs> I ended up uh, hating this even more. And and when I looked into it, it's got all the things that I hate in a reboot. Um, they needed to rush to make sure to get the movie done. So they didn't lose the license. Yeah. Um, there were 15 screenplays written for this movie.
1: Ooh-wee.
0: 15 different screenplays, uh, which is a sin in my opinion, for two reasons. One, um, obviously you don't know what the hell you want to do with the movie. And two, this movie is just like the original in the, in the story it tells.
1: It's yeah.
0: I mean, it, I mean, if you get right down to it, I mean, yes, there are some changes, it's but the,
1: unimaginative.
0: the story is almost exactly what we thought it would be coming right in. There's no real wrinkles for 15, you got similar
1: shots too. 15 different
0: screenwriters coming in. Um, So I, I, I mean, I always said this feels more like, you know, nightmare on Elm street, you know, an extra nightmare on Elm street installment as opposed to like, a complete reboot it doesn't feel like that that at all and and that's okay in some instances if you're going to give audiences what they might want from that like i've talked about the the friday the 13th reboot well that's not perfect it's a lot like a friday the 13th movie it's got sex drugs violence you know jason Teenagers. yeah jason kills uh camp counselors when or uh kids at a at the lake when they do things they shouldn't be doing that's the franchise you know that's fine and i think it's a fairly well executed movie with some nice kills I struggled all night to try to find a positive thing to say about this other than the performance of Jackie Earl Haley.
1: Yeah, he makes a good Freddie. Um he's good cast for that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, he he had just come off of uh, Watchmen and uh Little Children, I think. I may have gotten that wrong. If if I did, I'll redub it and this'll be <laughs> no, <laughs> no, one we'll know. no one will ever know <laughs> I screwed it up. Uh movie with Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson where he, he plays a pedophile, which is sort of important for this. And I'll I'll get to it a bit a bit later. Um, he does a really fantastic job. The makeup updated look is, is really good. You can see into like his cheek where he was burned and things like that. That's a, that's a really nice update. He
1: barely has a mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. That's what a burned victim would, would really look like. I'm, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is his design because his design is based off of the original design. Yeah. Which was Wes Craven got the concept or the look of Freddy Krueger from a homeless man who scared him as a child. So he looks like somebody pulled out of the 50s, huh. which is fine in a movie set in the 80s. Right. Right. Because Freddie is older. You know, he, he abused these kids, you know, when, when they were children. So it's from the past. If you put this movie in the past, like, why is a guy in 1995 or 97 dressing like somebody in 1950 or 1960 with the hat and that weird sweater? It just it it, it, it is an odd character decision only because they don't want to really wreck the boat. You know, rock no. the boat, pardon me. They they want to keep it
1: the same. Yeah, they,
0: they want to make a new reboot so they can start churning out sequels again. Like that's you can you can feel that's the whole pitch behind this movie. Everyone's rebooting horror movies. Let's do this one and let's start pumping out sequels again in easy money. Um, So they don't change enough up. And, and, and it's it's to the detriment of this movie, because the things they do change are a much more inefficient way of telling the story. Yeah. And and that would be my, my main critique here is. It's an incredibly inefficient way to, to retell the story of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Whoever one of those 15 screenwriters, whichever one of them came up with the micro naps while you're awake, I would want to choke him oh, out God. for that because this movie becomes just Jump Scare City. Characters are just cheap, able. Cheap,
1: cheap, cheap, cheap. Jump cheap, jump cheap, cheap. Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, some of the worst. I mean, guys are just walking from place to place and all of a sudden they see something out of the corner of their eye. Like I'm okay with that. If someone has stayed awake for four days and they're on the brink of exhaustion, but that's not where these characters are. I know you actually took really good notes about where these moments popped up in this, in this movie.
1: Yes. um, The first one you get is at the kind of the very beginning when you have the funeral, Uh, she falls asleep at the funeral. Yeah. Like who does that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I know the sequels played fast and loose where Freddie can kind of mess with you a little bit, but like the idea that our friend died just a couple of days earlier and that she would doze off in his funeral is ridiculous. And if it's one of those micro naps, that's even worse, you know, because Freddy's just like this ghost that sends like haunting images at people now, yeah. as opposed to this one person who stalks you only in your dreams. Your dreams can be any time now.
1: Yeah. And there, there's a. Uh- any <laughs> Anytime. There's a scene even when um, one of the characters is swimming and he apparently falls asleep while swimming.
0: I'll be honest. I've done a lot of exercise over the years. (laughs) At no point have I ever dozed off mid run, mid lift.
1: Particularly in a pool. Yeah,
0: it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's terrible. Also, also, you want to get into it. The whole element of that dream is a flashback. Yeah. It's not an actual a- a- attack by it's Freddy. It's an exposition. Yeah, attack. he's literally giving us. They are literally telling us what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in in that sequence, we, yes, we get a nice flashback to see some of those things. But man, there could have been so much better ways to introduce that. So that just annoyed the just the crap out of me. Basically, throughout the the entire movie, I, it, it it really did that. The, they would waste our time with that. And I think it leads to one of my other. Big complaints about this reboot is how lame the dream sequences are.
1: Yeah.
0: And how underwhelming the kills are. Yeah. We're not talking about not
1: a whole lot of gore. Yeah. We're not really talking about,
0: you know, uh, I mean, this is what these franchises are known for. Gory kills over the top stuff. Yeah. None of the kills in this movie would rank in the top 20. Um, and matter of fact, I think if you were to make probably the lamest kills in the series, you know, you would have this one, um, Katie Cassidy. She plays the character who's equivalent to Tina in this movie. I know she has a character name, but I'm not going to waste the brain cell on trying to learn it. <laughs> um, she has a death scene that matches Tina's. It's not as interesting. She just kind of floats above the bed and gets cut. And, and we compared the two sequences. I mean, they're a little shot for shot, but. The raw, the raw nature of Wes Craven's scene is just gone, you know.
1: Well, you have her tumbling over the ceiling and she's getting blood everywhere in this scene. She just rises from the bed yeah, and that's it. And she gets slashed.
0: Yeah. It's like stranger things. You know, she just kind of rises up and she dies in the dream world and that's it. Um, you know, in the remake, in the original film, you know, she's on the wall, the blood's getting everywhere. She's reaching for him. Uh, Rob's reaching up for her and he can't get to her. She's, she's begging for help until she falls on the bed. And I love that this complete silence after all that. And the blood splashes everywhere. Yeah. Brutal. And you just, you don't really get an equivalent moment in, in, in this film. And uh, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I don't know how you make a slash movie and don't try to make a really cool over-the-top slasher kill especially when you have a budget. (laughs) I mean, if this was like a direct-to-video movie, I'd be like, well, they had to work in, you know, the budget they got. That's not what this is.
1: Well, they tried to take a lot of the iconic scenes from the first one and redo them, Mm -hmm. reboot them, if you will, but they reboot. It wasn't gritty. It wasn't gritty.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. We have um, Nancy, you know, with the shot between her legs with the glove Yes, you have that again. But it doesn't lead to anything.
1: You have the... Uh, Freddie coming in through the wall with the horrible CG. Yeah,
0: it looks like it's out of the Frighteners. And I mean, let, oh, my God, I mean, it's considering that the original film does this iconic effect by literally building a set and putting in a flat white wall for the first two shots, removing the wall and then putting in white spandex right there and having Robert England press his face against it. Yeah. And it gives this otherworldly feel. But that realism to it because you know it's there. Right. It's got a text a texture. You can feel like you could touch it. Like he, he could just come right through the world. Like it has a great feel. And in the remake, it's just a CG shot. We've seen thousands of times. Yeah. There, there's nothing special to it. Um, even though like I mean, the template was set, you know, and I mean, this is always a problem with reboots and, and remakes. When you pick a great film, it's kind of tough to, to top them, especially if you're going to reference everything that original film was about over and over and over again.
1: Another issue I had with this movie is um, when Quentin and Nancy are going and they find Freddy's room at the preschool.
0: So it's I think
1: it's just ridiculous. So we have
0: Clancy Brown plays one of the parents. And by the way, the parents are nothing characters in this. Um, Clancy Brown, who I love, plays Lex Luthor. He's been in, and once you, you're you going to Google Clancy Brown, you're like, oh, that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> been in a ton of stuff. Pet Cemetery 2 for the wind baby. And then you have Connie Britton. um, as Nancy's mother. Yeah,
1: who is um, who is a nothing character.
0: I love Connie Britton. I, I really do. But the character doesn't really amount to much other than just a concerned mother. Yeah. You know, the alcoholism is gone, nope. which is fine. I mean I mean you don't you don't have to, you, you do don't do that, have to repeat that, but yeah. You have to, I mean, if she's in a bunch of scenes, you have to give her something. Give her something. Yeah, she's just, I'm concerned. I don't want Nancy to hurt anymore. I'm like, I know, but do you care about anything else other than Nancy and to let us know that this Freddy Krueger thing happened years ago?
1: You're a mom. Great.
0: Okay. (laughs) So that's one complaint. Do you have anything else off your list that you wanted to get to before I start going off my tangent about lack of originality?
1: No, um, th- th- it just that was the last scene that I didn't like was when they just kind of fumbled around and they find Freddy's room.
0: Yeah, Oh, yeah. That was the point I was making. Clancy yeah. Brown introduced this fact that, like, we never found the cave that you kids were sent to. And the kids go there and they find it in like three minutes of looking around. <laughs> It's ridiculous! So the police did a really terrible job. Yeah, no, this guy apparently raped all these kids, and the cops kind of took a glance at the daycare and went, "Man, we don't see anything. We better get <laughs> out of here. We've got everything we need." Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, they never tried to sell the building. Be like, huh? There's a weird pedophile cave right here that I never knew existed. How strange! I don't know. Like, movies, screenplays, pardon me, take shortcuts. Even yeah. great ones take some shortcuts. This movie is almost all shortcuts. I mean, after the very first kill, Thomas Decker, I, I forget who what his character name is. Um, he just came from Tina's killing. And like he lets Nancy know the rules of Freddy right then and there. Right. Yeah.
1: And it's like he knows how the fuck
0: could you know that? Like like you inferred a lot from what just happened. And like, that's such a lazy thing. Such a, such a shortcut to take, you know? I mean, it, it, it drives me. It, like I said, every screenplay is going to take some shortcuts, but this movie's all shortcuts. There's no scenery and baby, we got to have something to look at. You know I mean? This movie doesn't show. It's like doing your math problems and just giving the answer. Like, no, we got to see the work. Like we have to see that. So we know what it means. Like it meant something that Nancy took the time And after kill after kill, figured out what Freddy was about, what he wanted, if he had a weakness and how to take him out. This movie doesn't do those sorts of things. And it's just frustrating. And it's a waste of everyone's time.
1: No, but we do have one scene that we do like, Mm -hmm. which is when they have the. When Nancy comes up and she's in the little girl's dress. Yeah. And Freddie's there and he's being more of the pedophile that we know him as. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about this. Uh, Wes Craven made a very good decision back in 1984 or 83 when he started the project. Um, Originally, Freddie was a pedophile and uh, uh, he raped the children as well as murdered them. And at the last second, he said, "Mm, you know what? Mm, Child rape's a little dark. So he pulled it back and said, he's just a murderer. This is one of the rare times, like the murderer is better than the raping. (laughs) This is a a weird place of the 80s we're at, but. Because of that, like Freddie wasn't quite as dark as he could have been, and that element was hinted at, hinted but never really flat out said that right. Freddie was 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 raping those children. Um, and to be honest, the movies don't really play with that element. Freddie vs. Jason does a little bit near the finale, uh, where in a very similar scene to what we saw in the reboot, uh, Monica Keena's character, who cares about her name from Freddie vs. Jason. Um, like, he puts his gloved hand, like, underneath her skirt and, you know, eventually he he's, he's trying to use that on her uh, while saying some lewd things. And that's about the only time Freddie is really sexual yeah. in those movies. And that's okay because that's not necessarily who his character is. Right. And, I, I, like, I'm fine with that. His dick got burned off. We'll, we'll make that canon. So he can't do anything anyway. This remake had an opportunity... To go in some real darkness and, and to make to lean into that decision, because I mean Freddie's just slashing people with a glove right um there's no sexual terror or anything at all um towards these kids who are all supposed to be still underage still in high school right right um
1: they're still kids
0: yeah, so i mean there, there there's only one scene of that sort of element to it, one little different thing. To make Freddy scary in a different way. Yeah. In a very different and disturbing He's way. He's a predator. And this movie is too chicken shit to really lean into that at all. Now, am I saying to make a, a movie about a deadly pedophile? No, but I mean, it's something different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean that's, that's my whole complaint. He takes is, his
1: character in a different direction.
0: Exactly. Or even this movie flirts with the idea that he could have been innocent. And that's not bad. And I like the idea that the parents just jumped to conclusions. And they killed him without ever checking anything out. And, he, all, you know, he was innocent, but now he's become the monster that they feared he actually was. Yeah. Like, I like that idea. No, he just he was always that guy. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, it's, it's OK to have a twist like that. Like, oh, he actually was guilty. But the problem is, like, we waste, what, 35 minutes on this story that Freddie was wronged? And I was like, so that was a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. That was that, that didn't that didn't tie into anything. Um, that, that element really just gets, because you could do so many more things. You can redesign the look, you could change the way Freddy stalks people in dreams. You could change the way you shoot the dream sequences. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite directors for one second here, David Cronenberg, um, Videodrome. One critic asked him like, how come you didn't change up the hallucinations and give them a look? And he was like, well, sir, what's scary about that? What's scary about hallucination is you don't know it's not real. Right. And this movie just doesn't have that element to its dreams, really. Like, it's firmly established. Okay, we're in a nightmare now. The music changes. They even put a filter over everything. I mean, just like every moment to try to do something particularly interesting or new, they avoid it except for the couple of moments we have just pointed out and talked about. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's a by-the-numbers retread of that original script, except far worse. I, You know, and one other element I have to mention for my dislikes here, and I— I don't necessarily like pointing out an actor um, for a poor performance, especially one as talented as Runa Mara. Um, she's been she's worked with Soderbergh. She's a big time actress. I think she's got Oscar nominations or award nominations, at least. She's great. Uh, yeah, she's a fantastic actress. She sleepwalks through this film. You could I mean, you'd have to shake her at times to see if she's awake, which is kind of appropriate for the material at times. But. I mean, she's
1: not a very interesting Nancy.
0: No, I mean, not, I mean, there's not a whole lot to her character for being, if we're going to like take a a pro and con list and, and, and make, you know, the list from 1984 version to 2010 version. I mean, Nancy 84 would fill up the whole sheet and there'd be like three things on 2010 sheet. So the character is interesting. So I will give her that, but I mean, she, I've read reports that she wasn't interested in really being on set, that she thought she was above the movie. And granted she is, but I mean, it doesn't help this movie at all because the other actors are, are are really trying out there, um, especially the person she gets paired with at the end of the movie, like the stand-in for Glenn Quentin. Quentin, thank you. Um, it gives us the most awkward kiss ever, like right before the finale. Oh, I know. Like, hey, why don't we just shove a love story in here right at the last second? Ridiculous. Right? Let's just throw one other thing on the damn pile. Why
1: do we have to have that?
0: I mean, because it's, it's it's easy. It's a cheap shortcut. It's <sighs> easy to make a connection. Oh, cheap. he loves her now. Yeah, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's it's all the whole movie is, is that way except for the makeup. because um, even the effects don't look particularly great today. No. Um, you know, we're we're 12 years away from when this movie came out. And trust me, I didn't like the effects in 2010. You know, Jack Earl Haley and a couple of nice ideas try to elevate this movie. The direction is Samuel Baer, I think, is the director. I don't know anything else he's really done. Um, this is a this is certainly not something I'd put on my resume resume it's, it's not impressive at all i i hate this reboot yeah i it's I, pretty obvious yeah i i i really hate it it's got everything that i, I dislike um fuck this movie <laughs> yeah i mean that, that's it i mean this is the kind of thing that i, I hate hollywood laziness
1: yeah yeah it's it's just it and it's reflected in its reviews wh- which i have
0: oh okay yeah let me let me know well yeah well, I, i'm curious on how these things did critically at the time so
1: Okay, so let's go back to the 84 version. Uh, The user reviews are 4.4. I had a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.4 on IMDb. I found a two-star review. I couldn't find any one-star reviews, so that's good. Uh, Here is the two-star review. Personally, not my favorite 80s movie. A Nightmare on Elm Street is one of the original slasher movies with Friday the 13th Halloween, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which created all the horror movie cliches, but the movie didn't work for me. It revolves around a couple of teenagers being brutally murdered with no certain explanation, then one of them discovers a serial killer in their dreams. It has a few pros, it was certainly a good movie for its time, but its scare factor and suspense factor doesn't work for me. But it's entertaining enough to have some fun and watch a mediocre movie. So that guy didn't really like it. He yeah. thought it was mediocre, which I, I don't know how you could get that out of it.
0: Hey, listen, I understand if you were born in the 90s, the O's, like this movie just seems old as could could possibly be. Think about how when we were kids, we'd have hated a movie from the 60s. Yeah. So same kind of difference. Like I can understand that element to it. Um, but it really is. um That's just the one thing about talking about older films. You know, they're always going to be lost in a newer generation to some, to some of that generation.
1: Yeah. I guess you could kind of tell that that person was.
0: Yeah. They're they're going to have a a difficult time sort of adjusting to the styles of, of acting. You know, people make fun of like the acting in fifties movies, but I mean like that shit was cutting edge. (laughs) Like, you know, you would watch like on the waterfront and be like, what is Brando doing if you watch the day? But that's just how acting was then. Right. Big over the top. Same thing with Heston. You know, we give Charles Heston crap all the time. But that's just how acting was back in those days.
1: So the piece of shit movie that we the reboot that we watched it had a 2.9 user review. It was a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's every bit of that 14%. And it has a 5.2 IMDb score.
0: 14 is almost kind of high. Is that weird to say? <laughs> All right, lay it on me. <laughs> All
1: right, here's a one-star review from that movie. When will they ever learn that trying to remake a classic film simply does not work? The original Freddy Krueger film was, were masterpieces of their time. This so-called remake is just plain horrible. The storyline is terrible, the acting is very poor, and the new Freddy Krueger is just laughable. They have been so lazy with the story rather than have a fresh take on it that they have basically used loads of elements from the original film, but in a bad way. When Freddy's face comes through Nancy's bedroom wall, for example, on the original that made for a chilling scene of the new version, the CGI just makes it seem stupid. There will only be ever one Freddy Krueger, and that is Robert England. He made the films what they are and mm-hmm. it simply doesn't work without him. I realize everyone has different tastes in films, but the rate this film five stars is just insane. They either have never seen the originals or have their shocking taste in films. Do yourself a favor, skip this and just watch the originals. Um He feels the same way. Yeah, but so we, we, we should we, we
0: should have invited that guy on the show. Yeah. That's basically what should happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the same points we it, did. And
0: and listen, like I understand that it's almost no new ground broken here. Like everybody hates this movie. Uh, but I just had to talk about like in depth why I really hate this remake. Yeah. And you know, everybody sort of gets it. No one ever clamored for a reboot. Um, I mean, for a remake, I mean, for a sequel to this remake, pardon me, no one ever wanted that. Uh, and you know, at the time it was red hot to do one. And that's the only reason this ever got made. You know, we had a bunch of horror remakes, you know, if Leatherface got out there, let's get Freddie out there. And you know, th- despite them navigating the most difficult hurdle, trying to find someone who could play Freddie, you know, accurately in my opinion you know Jackie does a really nice job it just everything about this movie is just so bad it really is it's everything that I truly loathe and once again you know I think Robert England even said if he was going to pick a person to replace him he'd pick Kevin Bacon (laughs) Um, which is sort of interesting I love Kevin Bacon
1: I can't see that
0: (laughs) but I love Kevin Bacon so it's fine Um, Kevin Bacon can do anything and no wrong. That is the final word about it, Meredith. Uh, (laughs) All right. All right. No, I'm glad this wasn't successful. That's all I can say. It's weird for me to say that to all the people who worked hard in this movie, but I'm glad it wasn't successful and we didn't get more in this line and this franchise and it helped kill that reboot trend of the. Of the late O's, you know, the early teens and stuff like that, you know, you know, by 2015, that I was dead pretty yeah. much. And movies like this helped kill it. It really did. You know, because this was a failure. I always say like Jason Voorhees survived anything except for a reboot because that killed all the sequels after that. And same thing here. You know, Freddy could survive anything except a reboot. Took him out.
1: So that is uh, that as far as those two movies, we love the original, hated the the reboot. Wouldn't recommend it to anybody.
0: No, no, no! I don't watch it at any point. You catch it on Sci-Fi Channel. Just go watch something. Go outside and play. Read yeah, a book. I do something. Yeah, play some games. More constructive. Do anything else.
1: We um, wasted our time.
0: Yeah, we 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 wasted our time. And uh, if you feel like we wasted your time, uh, please uh, let us know that at uh, gritty reboot at gmail.com. Send us an email. Let us know we suck. Yeah. Let us know we're worse than this fr- fr- this <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. Uh, you can also uh, tell me I suck on Instagram and TikTok at uh, gritty reboot. You looked it up on both uh, formats and uh, let us know anything you think. or If you have any questions or if you agree with us about uh, this, or if you were that one guy out there, this is your favorite installment of the franchise. You let me know so I can mock you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, guys. um, Thanks a lot for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week.
1: All right. See ya.